Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us. We're in this series called Best Summer Ever. We're studying Paul's letter to the Philippians. And for him, it wasn't the best summer ever. It wasn't the best season ever of life. And we can relate to that because right now it doesn't feel like the best summer ever. Because Paul was writing to his friends, the Philippians, and he was writing why he was quarantined, why he was locked down on house arrest and he was under arrest, chained to a guard. And it was not great circumstances. Yet, when you read this letter he wrote from prison, he writes about themes of joy and peace and contentment. How in the world did he survive being quarantined in bad conditions to write about how it's possible to have joy, peace, and contentment no matter what happens to you? Well, he challenges his friends in Philippians, he challenges us to think differently. Have you ever had something where you go, oh, I've never thought of it that way? Suddenly you think of things differently, you have a different perspective. I'll give you an example. When I was a kid and I was told I had to take a nap, that was a bad thing. As an adult, if you told me I had to take a nap, that's a good thing. I think differently about sleep. An early bedtime when I was a kid was a punishment. An early bedtime as an adult is a privilege. Like, that is awesome. So we think differently about things as we have different perspectives in life. I'll give you another example. I used to work with hockey players for about 10 years, and I was also a hockey fan. And so I watched games, and I had, had interest as a fan, and I remember there was one particular player on a team that I liked that a lot of times when there was a defensive breakdown or uh, my team got scored on, I would look at a friend of mine and go, hey, look who's on the ice. There was this one particular player. But then I had a different perspective about that player because I actually got to be friends with that player. And that player, as he was a friend of mine, suddenly I thought differently and I wasn't so focused on one thing about his game, but I was focusing on other things and I came to have a much deeper appreciation about him. It's amazing how your perspective about others changes when you get to know them. But thinking differently about things opens up new possibilities. So Paul is writing in Philippians to his friends, this church he helped plant 10 years earlier, to these people who had sent money to help him do his ministry. And he's writing them to say thank you he expresses his deep care and love for them, but he also gives some amazing insights and in how to thrive no matter what, which starts with thinking differently. There are over 16 references to the mind in Philippians, to how you think, your attitude. And in Philippians 2, verses 1 and following, it says this, Therefore, and whenever time you see a therefore, ask what's it there for. So therefore, Therefore, it means something he just said. Everything he said in chapter 1, because of all that, he says this, think differently. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, he goes, basically, if you've got any kind of invested interest in me, each other, or what God's doing, if there's anything going on, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So right there, a couple of quick references to the mind, being like-minded, of one mind. It's this Greek word, autophreneo, which means to set your affection on, to think, to be single-minded, not to be scatterbrained or thinking a lot of different ways, single-focused, 
at single mind, one mind, like-minded. You know, how you think really does matter. The Bible says it again and again and again. James, the brother of Jesus, said it this way, talking about a person who asks and doesn't believe. He says, such a person is double-minded, unstable in all they do. If you're double-minded, you're unstable. Romans 12, 2, Paul challenges uh, the church in Rome, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Your life could be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, Paul writes to the church at Corinth. He says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Later in Philippians, we'll read this later in this series, but he tells them, he challenges them to think differently. He said, here's what you should think about. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What you think about matters as individually, but together he challenges people who follow Jesus to be like-minded, one in spirit and of one mind. See, what Paul knew was a secret of how important the mind is. This is one of the reasons he thrived and he was trying to help them thrive. He's trying to help us thrive is no matter what happens to you, think about it carefully, which might require you thinking differently because how you, th how you think determines what you become. Your thoughts are so important. God gifted you with this creative mind that has the ability to remember things and some things we wish we couldn't, to imagine things, to dream, to build to, to tell stories like this mind is so powerful and how you think determines what you become. And he says, here's how I want you to think, to be like-minded, to be together, to be one. But not just, hey, what do you guys think we should think about? He said, here's the standard for how I want you to be on the same page of thinking about each other. Everything is about Jesus. Think like Jesus. Have the mind of Jesus. And why is that? Well, if you... How you think determines what you become. Then, if you think like Jesus thought, you will live like Jesus lived. How important is it to have the mind of Christ, to be like-minded and just have the same attitude and thought life that Jesus had? Well, what did Jesus think about? What mattered to Jesus? Here's what he thought about. Pleasing God and loving people. The great commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love God with all you have, including your mind. And love others. Love your neighbors. Love people. That's what he thought about. And if I think the way Jesus thought about pleasing God and loving people, I'll live the way Jesus did. Here's how Paul taught us to do that. Here's how he gives us an insight into what it looks like for us. And it's even an insight into the mind of how Jesus thought. Verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. All right, already I know I'm, I'm out on that. Like, I don't do that well. I ha have a hard time being in any situation and not thinking about how does this affect me? What's in it for me? Or what do people think about me? Or what about me? We're preoccupied with self, but Jesus wasn't. He thought differently. And he wants us to think differently, to do nothing about being selfish, ambition, or vain conceit. Rather, here's the opposite of that. In humility, 
value others above yourself, not looking to your own interest, but each of you, each of you, to the interest of others. The most important thing you could think about is others. The thing that might be least likely to think about is others. We have preoccupation with self. And God says, think differently. And he uses this word humility, which means to, to think, not necessarily to think less of yourself, but to think more of others. It's to value, Paul even puts it here, to value others above yourself. Start by taking care of others. And he's actually giving you one of the keys to contentment and happiness is if you think about others and serving others, you're going to be one of the most joyful and contented people around. Preoccupation with self leads to disappointment, discouragement, and frustration. But humility, thinking of others, thinking of others is a way to think differently and it changes you, it changes others. And he says that's what we should all be doing together as followers of Jesus, to be like-minded and thinking of others. We're in a season where we have a lot of disagreements about, do I wear a mask? Do I follow social distancing? Do I, what do I think about this? Or this person's posting this. Right now, to push pause and to be humble and think of others and to listen to others would be a valuable exercise. Think others. In verses four and five, he says this, not looking to our, your own interest. Don't just focus on that but each of you to the interest of others. If, you, if you're curious about others, find out what's of interest to them. Find out what drives them. Find out what matters to them and be interested in others. And if you want to be someone who always has friends, don't try to be interesting. Be interested in others. Paul said, think differently. Think like Jesus, because he says, he goes, it's not you just you should think of others more or, hey, try to be better at this. He sets the bar really, really high. Look at this in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, you have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Again, if you think like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lives. So how did Jesus think? He thought about pleasing God and loving others. That's what drove his life. What if you did that? What if you had the same mindset that Jesus had? Mindset basically means attitude. It, and an attitude is a little thing that makes a big difference. An attitude is how you look at things. It's your perspective, how you think about things. It's the whole, is the glass half full or half empty? That's how you think about things. It's, you can hear the same bad news and think, well, woe is me, or, oh, what are we going to do, or how can I help you? It's like, how is your attitude in this? You know, I had, I had this attitude... Um, I, I'm, I, at times I can be a pessimist and I can be a conspiracy theorist. I think about things in all different ways, but I'll tell you, I, I'll be honest. I did not do well in high school, didn't, or in college. Like my attitude wasn't, I was a bad student. I was actually helping others. I was in the bottom half of my class. I'm the half of the class that made the top half possible. It's all about attitude. It's how you think about things. Think about others more. And really, if you think like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lived. So let me ask you this. What, th ask you this. What's your attitude lately? How are you thinking about things? When you walk in the room, are you thinking about others? Or are you thinking about yourself? And be careful that you don't walk in thinking, oh, always, what do others think about me? Try to focus on what does God want me to do here 
to think about others? What would it look like to have the mind of Jesus here to please God and to love people in this moment? Because if you think like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lived. And he said, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's our goal. That's our choice to think differently. And how you think about things really does matter. Your attitude of how you're thinking about things. And right now, there's a lot to think about in our world. Your mental habits, how you choose to think about things over and over and over again, will soon become ingrained habits in your life. And you have habits of thought. How you think about things is an acquired habit. It's a learned habit. And you can learn to think differently, but habits are acquired. And any action that gets repeated becomes a habit. So if you choose to rewrite your habits and say, I'm not just going to think positive. We're not talking about positive thinking. We're talking about Christ-centered thinking, Christ-led thinking, Christ-modeled thinking, loving God, pleasing God, loving others. Because if you do that and develop those habits of thinking like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lived. There really is a battle that goes on in your mind. And no one can see what goes on in there. But everyone experiences the fallout from it. Because how you think about yourself, about God, about others, about the world, it will impact others. And here's the impact he wants you to have. He wants you to have a humble attitude that looks like Jesus, that thinks about the interest of others, to be like-minded in that. And again, it's not just positive thinking, it's Christ-centered thinking and Jesus-led thinking. He goes on to say this in verse five, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. That's what it should look like in all of our relationships, to have the mind of Christ. And if we think like Jesus thought, we'll live like Jesus lived. And then he describes it. This is how Jesus lived that out. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He set aside part of his privilege and position and some of his power to step in. Fully God decides to choose to also be fully man. And he steps into humanity. He decides not to use his position to his own advantage. Right now, he's different than almost every leader I've ever met. Most leaders try to think, what's in it for me? Most people think in life, what's in it for me? Jesus came to say, I want something for you. He didn't consider his equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. See, pleasing God isn't about self-promotion. It's not about lifting yourself up, trying to prop yourself up, trying to make sure people see you, notice you. It's about not about self-promotion. It's about self-abandonment. Less of me and more of Jesus. Less of me and more of focusing on others. That phrase God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. It means grasped, held onto, not letting go. I bet for, for you it's the same as me. There are things in my life it's hard to let go of because I want life to go well for me. And Paul writes to the Philippians and says, what if the key that no matter what happens to you, you can have the best summer ever, best life ever, best day ever, if you made today not about living for yourself, but about serving others. Following the attitude of Jesus, 
and the life of Jesus. You chose to be a ser servant. Lucifer said, I want to be like God. He grasped. Adam and Eve in the garden were told by the serpent, serpent, you can be like God. They grasped. They held on to it. There are things in my life where I hold on to because I want life to go well for me. And Paul says, what if the key to life going well for you is thinking about others more and thinking more like Jesus? Jesus chose to be found in the very nature of a servant. It's a Greek word, doulos. He uses it here, Paul does, describing Jesus. It's also the word when Paul's introducing himself to the Philippians in chapter 1. Usually he introduced himself as Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, or by the calling of God as an apostle. He doesn't introduce himself to the Philippians this way, and I think it's almost in his introduction he's wanting to set them up to think differently. He said, the reason I'm th thriving is I think differently. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. That's how he introduces himself. That's how Jesus was found in the very nature of being a servant. What if we were servants? What if we were servants of others? There's a difference between serving others and being a servant. We've talked about this before at Live Oak. Serving others is something I control. I choose when, I choose where, I choose how. I'm in control. It's something to check off my to-do list. It's something I do. And it's a nice thing to do, but that's not what Jesus chose to be here. He said there's something about, he did not consider it something to be held on to, but he made his very nature a servant. It was, it's an identity. It's not something you do, it's who you are. Serving isn't what I do, it's who I am. Serving is about I'm in control. Who, what, when, and where. But being a servant means no matter where, no matter who, no matter when, no matter what, my approach is how can I serve God? How can I serve you? And how can I serve others? Is that your identity? Is that your attitude? Is that your mindset? I promise you the good work that Paul wrote about in Philippians 1.6, that God's going to finish what he started, that he writes about becoming more and more like Jesus, you know what that's going to look like? You're going to look more and more like having the attitude of Jesus. And if you think like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lived. And he lived to please God and serve others. What if that's God's next step for you? To say, I'm not just going to choose to serve. I'm going to choose to be a servant like Jesus did. It's my identity. Serving isn't what I do. It's who I am. No matter what, where, when, who, how, whatever it is, my approach is I'm here to serve God and serve others. Verse 8, it gives us a little more information about what Jesus chose. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled. Again, it's about humility. It's being willing to lay yourself down so others can be lifted up. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You know, the ways that God may ask you to serve others, they'll probably cost you something. If it doesn't cost you something, you're probably still grasping something. Sometimes serving others and loving others, forgiving others, whatever it is, it costs us something. I tell you, it cost Jesus everything. But he became obedient. He didn't consider equality with God something to be held on to, grasped, used to his own advantage. Instead, he made himself nothing. Obedient to death, even death on a cross, the worst possible way to die. He became obedient to death for pleasing God for loving others. He did it for you. 
Why? Because he came as a servant to humble himself and be obedient to Jesus and obedient to death because that is the best way he could serve you. It's how Paul could say, like he wrote about in Philippians 1, I consider my life worth nothing. It's like he said, when for me to, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It's why he said, I can be anxious for nothing. I can worry about nothing and give thanks in everything. It's why he said in Philippians 4, I can be content in all circumstances. He could do that because he was here to please God and serve others. The goal of his life was to humbly be obedient to whatever God asked him to do, to serve God and to serve others. If you think like Jesus thought, you can live like Jesus lived. Paul did it. We need to do it. And that's how Paul did it. He said, I'm going to have the main, same mindset as Christ Jesus. And it led him to make those kind of choices, to say, my mindset is to please God and love people. And right now, our world needs, our world needs people to be others-focused. Others-focused is the way forward. It's the way forward as a follower, a follower of Jesus because that's the path he took. That's the path he wants us to do. And how you th think determines what you become. And if you think like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lived. What would it look like for you this week to think others in your family, with your friends, with a stranger, with someone who posts something you don't agree with, so, with someone who... who votes differently than you, looks differently than you, believes differently than you, behaves differently than you, what would it look like for you this week just to say, I exist to serve others? God, what does it look like to please you and serve others in this moment? To thank others at all time, because servant, being a servant of all is an identity. It's not what you do, it's who you are. And when you have the new mind, a mind of Christ that he wants to transform you by the renewing of your mind, he will make your thoughts start to look a lot more like Jesus thinks so you can live like Jesus lives. And this is the prayer I want to ask you to pray this week. As a matter of fact, you might just pray along with me silently or even out loud. God, help me to think like you so I can live like you. God, this week, right now, in this moment with this person, God, help me to think like you so I can live like you. You might even just think, God, what does it look like right now to seek to please you and to love others? If you think like Jesus thought, you'll live like Jesus lived. And Jesus lived with an others-focused mindset. And Paul said, you want to know why I'm content, why I don't worry, why I have joy in the midst of bad situations? It's not about me. I exist for the other. To love God and love people, that's why I'm here. Hey, July 4th, this weekend we're celebrating, it's our Declaration of Independence as a Nation. And it's one of the great things about America, this self-reliance, this independence. But sometimes it gets in the way. I love our country and our independence. But if we become self-dependent, we lose sight of others. And one of the best things about our country is we were, are here to exist for the other. America is at its best 
when we think about how do we serve others and love others and help others. And I pray that this July 4th would remind us, yeah, we're independent as a nation, but we are interdependent as people. We need each other. And God said, I want you to love others and serve others and become a servant of all following the example of Jesus.